Good? Are you having a good new year so far? Uh, mixed, it sounds. Okay, right, some. Well, good news is there's plenty of it left. Things could change. So, uh, hey, I'm so excited to be uh, preaching today. I, I love being together. I miss it at Christmas when we're kind of not together. And uh, I, love it. I love the praises of God. I love the presence of God. I love the people of God. I love the promises of God. I love the peace of God that comes to us. And I love preaching the word of God, which is what we're going to do right now. And as we come into this new year, uh, we're going to be talking about vision and stuff for kings in a few weeks' time. That wasn't our priority as we came into this first week. We just wanted to get excited about God, excited about him. Do you know the most exciting thing about your 2023 is friendship with Jesus? Isn't that amazing? You don't look convinced by that, but it's true. It's true. The, the, The best outcome of this year will be that you get to know God better. Perhaps you don't know him yet. The best outcome this year will be that you get to know him and get to experience his love and his grace in wonderful ways. Or if you're a Christian, for for you to go deeper and to know this wonderful friendship and care God has for us. So we're starting this year with a series on Psalm 23. And it's all about knowing about this God who cares and digging into that. Increasingly over the last year as elders, we found ourselves having conversations with people who had just been through pain or hardship or trauma in their lives. But again and again, we heard this testimony of people saying, but God, God helped me through it. It was so difficult, but God helped me. And so we thought, wouldn't it be great to, to live in this truth for a few weeks? And uh, Charles Spurgeon said this about Psalm 23. He says, as the nightingale is amongst the birds... That's the one that sounds like a space invader, if you're not sure. As a nightingale is amongst the birds, so this psalm is among others. It has sung sweetly in the ear of many a dejected soul, and in the night of his weeping has given him hope for a morning of joy. So I'm going to ask uh, Peter Johnson to come and read Psalm 23 to us, and he's going to share a short testimony of how this psalm has really helped him, and then I'm going to teach from verses 1 and 2. So... Uh, Peter, please come and uh, read the psalm to us. It'll appear on the screen behind us as well. Almost exactly 40 years ago, I graduated medical school and I became a junior doctor. Um, And in those prehistoric days, we didn't have shifts and all this sort of stuff. We used to do very long um, rotors. So if you were on for the weekend, you started at 7 o'clock on a Friday morning and you finished at 7 p.m. on Monday night and you could be up for the whole of that time. And uh, we used to live in rooms in hospital, uh, hospital accommodation rooms. Um, and the room would be a sort of single bed and there would be a bedside cabinet next to it. And on that bedside cabinet was a phone. And it's not like your buzzy, vibrating types nowadays. It was the huge type that you held to your ear like that, and you dialed it like that. And it didn't have a silence button on it. Um, And it was very loud. And actually, quite quickly, and, you know, as a junior doctor, you tried really hard to grab sleep whenever you could. Um, But this phone right there on your bedside cabinet would sort of jarringly wake you up 
and you'd just be absolutely... All you wanted to do was have some sleep, but you had to get up and, and look after some medical issue that was going on. And actually, quite quickly, I became phobic about that phone. And I would put my head on the pillow, and I just couldn't sleep because I just knew this thing was going to go off. And whether I was on call or not, still living in the same room, I couldn't sleep. Um, and it was terrible. I was becoming more and more sleepless. Um, and it came to the point that I thought, I'm going to have to pray to God to help me here. And so I started kneeling by my bedside when I was on call, trying to get some sleep. And I would open my Bible and I would read this psalm. Listen to these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And those words became words of life for me at that time. They became words of rest. In fact, they became words of sleep. Uh, it was incredible how I just sensed the presence and the calm, the green pastures of God uh, in that junior doctor's room. Thank you, Peter. And isn't it wonderful how a passage of Scripture can become a friend and a comfort and bring you close to the one who wrote it, who is God? So um, let's, let's look at this psalm. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 particularly, if you could put those up as well. So uh, what do we know about this psalm? First of all, it was written by David. How do we know that? Because it says it, doesn't it? I know. <laughs> Some questions are hard. Not every psalm tells you who it was written by, but this one does. And it was written by David. David was the shepherd boy who was the youngest of eight siblings. He'd been overlooked by his parents, yet God chose him and he became king of Israel. And the question is, well, he was a worshipper. You know, he wrote many psalms. The question is, well, when did he write this? When was this? Sometimes when you know the context of who writes something, it means a lot, doesn't it? Because you understand the context and the background, and it means a whole lot. Not every psalm tells us who writes it, but this one does. It doesn't tell us when it was written. It doesn't tell us which particular event in David's life he was thinking of when he wrote this amazing psalm. But we can have a pretty good guess at it. Because the, the imagery in the psalm about the walking through the valley of death, it's clearly a time of real difficulty and trauma in David's life, where things are clearly not as they should be, or as he would want them to be. And he's talking about crossing a brook and all of these things. The best guess that theologians have, and there is some disagreement on it, is that this perhaps happened later in David's life and his reign, 
when his son Absalom, who he loved and had shown a lot of, um, a lot of care for and, and had given him a lot of latitude for the mistakes he'd made, he turned on his dad and he took his throne and David had to run for his life. And his own son, uh, his own son sent people to hunt David down to kill him. So David is perhaps running for his life, tired, discouraged, hurting, and hunted. You know, if you've ever felt let down by someone extremely close to you, if an important friendship that you've had has been breaking up, then this psalm is for you. If you've ever faced or are facing a season of extreme pressure in your life, or a season of uncertainty, or a season of real confusion, then this psalm is for you. And it tells us also that it's a psalm. It tells us it's a song. So here's the thing. In that moment of darkness for David, this is what was in his heart and in his mind. It was a song about God. Isn't that amazing? What goes through your head when you're in pressure and when you're facing uncertainty? Well, this is what was going through David's head. There was a different song that filled his heart. There was a different song that filled his head than the one we might anticipate. I wonder what song is filling your head and your heart and what song you are listening to. Is it a song of circumstance around you or is it a song of a shepherd who loves you? I remember a couple of years ago, we were in lockdown, and we were trying to do a week of prayer online as a church. And we were, we'd said to everybody, hey, everybody, come to the Zoom prayer meetings in the evening. And we gave it as much enthusiasm as we could, knowing that Zoom wasn't a great tool, but we persevered, didn't we? Who was there in the Zoom days? Do you remember? Yeah, okay. And uh, anyway, I joined this particular prayer meeting one evening, and I was a minute or two late, but it hadn't started when I joined. Chris Rawson, uh, one of the other elders here, is, he was leading that meeting, but it hadn't started. And as soon as I joined and I put my headphones in, I noticed something different, which was rather than that awkward silence at the start of a Zoom call where nobody knows whether to talk or not, there was this really loud, bouncy, pumping music playing. I thought, huh, I like it. I, I thought, hey, Chris. And I started talking. I said, Chris, this is great. I love it. You put on this music. Chris has read that it's just an awkward moment, so he's filled the room with music so people can just enjoy the moment before we start. So I just started pranking around a bit because I thought, well, I'm just going to enjoy the moment and try and cheer people up because everyone's a bit glum. So, so I started just grooving a bit and, and just dancing and clapping on screen. I said, I love this guy. It's such good music. And what is this tune? And then the song moved in to a bass solo. And I just thought, I love bass, bass solos. So I actually got up from my chair and I started strutting across the screen. And, um, and then I, I, could hear, I could see one or two people smiling on the screen, but not as many as I thought. I thought it was funnier than what, 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 anyway, anyway. And then I heard this muffled sound over the music, and Chris said, Thanks, Dan. And, uh, and I said, oh, just, oh, Thanks. And I sat and I said, just, oh, What a great song. And Chris said, Dan, there's, there's no music playing at our end. <laughs> and I checked my settings and discovered that my headphones were connected to my daughter Evie's Bluetooth 
phone in the other room and I was listening to her music whilst everybody else was sitting in silence on the call watching me have a great time. (laughs) See, I was grooving to a song that nobody else could hear. Now, I reckon there was people there watching David sing this psalm and write this psalm, and they would not have had a scooby why he was feeling the way he felt. Why are you singing a song about God being your shepherd when your life looks like it's such a mess? And he said, well, I'm listening to a different song. You know, it's so important. Even in this world where we, we crave authenticity and we like to say how it is and all these things, the song that fills our head must be the song, the bigger song, the louder song, the more important song of God's care for our lives. Now, this is the song he sings, therefore. He sings, the Lord is my shepherd. And if, if you're in your Bible, it maybe has the word capitalized, Lord. It refers to the covenant name of God that Moses first got to know at the burning bush where God re- revealed himself, I am who I am, the eternal, ever-present one. And it was the name by which God showed himself to his people to say he wasn't a distant God. He wasn't far off. He wasn't a forgotten God or a God who forgot his people, but he was near and he was able to help. And David says, well, this Lord is my shepherd. It's just two words in the Hebrew, Yahweh or Jehovah and shepherd, Roche. He says, the Lord is my covenant God. Now, shepherds aren't kind of a common sight in our culture. We're city dwellers here. Some of you I know live in the Lothians, and you've probably seen this a little bit more, but, but even if you see a shepherd in the Lothians, they're probably on a quad bike with a sheepdog, am I right? Now, in that day, sheep were common, uh, shepherds and sheep were a very common sight. You'd often see a shepherd just tending for the sheep, caring for the sheep. And it's therefore this image that comes closest to mind when David thinks of who God is to him. And he says, the Lord, well, he's, he's my shepherd. Uh, there was once a class of seven-year-old kids who, uh, many years ago, who were asked to learn and to recite Psalm 23. I guess it's before Scott's Poetry Week became a thing in schools. But, and anyway, there's one kid in the class, and he didn't like learning, he didn't like write reciting, so when it came to his turn, the teacher, everyone else recited it perfectly, and the teacher pointed to him and said, so um, can you recite the psalm, please? And he stood up, and he smiled, and he said, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all you really need to know. <laughs> Which actually is a pretty good summary of this whole psalm. Everything else works out from this first statement, the Lord is my shepherd. Everything else is just showing us how he does it in our lives. Now, shepherd, shepherding, shepherd leadership is a major theme of the Bible, not just shepherding sheep, but you'll find that Moses uh, uh, was, was a shepherd who God called. He had a shepherd's rod and a shepherd's staff, and, and God used that staff to, to, and Moses to lead the people of Israel from Egypt and through the wilderness. David, in Psalm 78, God says about him that he took him from the sheep pens to shepherding the people of Israel. David was a shepherd leader. He'd been been taken from the shepherding of sheep to the shepherding and caring of people. 
In the New Testament, the job of elders and leaders in the church is that they're called shepherds. Be shepherds of God's flock under your care. It's not a glamorous job. It's not a sought-after God. It's not a, it's not a sought-after job. Therefore, it might surprise you that God is pleased to be called the shepherd. God says, or it is said of God in Genesis 49, verse 24, that he is the mighty one, the shepherd, the rock of Israel. That's who he is to his people. The primary image, or two of the primary images in Scripture of who God is, are shepherd and father. And that tells you that our primary image of God should be one immediately when we think of him, we understand that he's a God who cares and loves and is deeply interested in his people. I wonder if that's the primary image of God that you have when you think of God. I wonder if you have some other strange image of God. I wonder if you think of God as fierce or judge or out to get you or distant. Sometimes God needs to renew our minds and to help us to be washed with the water of the word to see his great care for us. Jesus helps us with that. So David says, well, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, Jesus shows us the Lord because he's the Lord. He's come from heaven to earth. And in John chapter 10, you discover Jesus does a little bit of teaching about the good shepherd. That's where we find Jesus refer to himself, that I am the good shepherd. I am, which was a reference to his uh, to him being God, him being Yahweh, Jehovah. And he says, I'm the good shepherd. And he compares himself to two other great influences in our life. The first of those is the thief. And Jesus says, well, I want, something I need you to know about the good shepherd is he's not like the thief. What does the thief do? Well, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and all of its form." Here's what thieves do. They're in it for themselves. They're in it for themselves. Have you ever met people like that? Do you know of people in our world who just think they are just in it for number one, for them alone? There's people on our global stage at the moment. You could point that finger at world leaders and say, well, it doesn't seem to be about anybody else other than them. And they don't care who gets hurt or who gets killed in that process because the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy God's not like that. It's not all about him. He also refers to this hired hand. And the hired hand, Jesus says, practices self-care over sheep care. He runs away when danger comes. He clocks in and clocks out. He's happy to care when it's convenient and rewarding. But when the moment comes, when the sheep really need the care, he's nowhere to be found. We all have had models of leadership in our lives, and all of us have become models of leadership in our lives, whether that's through being parents or carers or bosses, or leaders in churches, sometimes the care we've experienced has not been good. Sometimes it's been abusive. Sometimes it's been absent. 
Sometimes the people we needed clocked out when we needed them to clock in. Well, it says this about the God of his people, the Lord our shepherd. It says, he neither slumbers nor sleeps. His protection and his love for you and me is ever, ever lasting. Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, all models of leadership fall short of God the shepherd. And whether you felt the lack in receiving care in your life, or whether you feel the guilt of not having shown that care to friends and loved ones that you would wanted to, wanted to have shared it with. Like David, who fits into both of those categories because uh, he, he had not experienced always a good family upbringing. He had been, been left out many times. But also, in his own life, he had not been a good parent himself at times. If you fit into either of those categories where you've struggled to receive care or where you've not shown the care, like David, you can say, the Lord's my shepherd. And if you feel guilt or condemnation in the failures to care, to carry, I want you to note this, that in this psalm, David doesn't relate to God as being a bit of a shepherd like God is. He doesn't say, the Lord is my shepherd, and I I know that because I'm a shepherd myself, and I'm a bit less good than God. The the nature of calling somebody my shepherd means this. You've defined yourself as a a sheep. I'd like to show you a very short video to just, just help us understand what sheep are like. <laughs> that was David. <laughs> he, found, he got into scrapes and he, 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 he. This is your life and my life. We're sheep. We just seem to get ourselves into trouble. Sheep are by nature dumb animals. They're very sweet, they're very tender. But do you know what? They're, they're not the sharpest tools in the box. And yet, David understands this about himself. No matter what my weakness, no matter my stupidity, no matter how many times I jump back in the ditch, the Lord, my shepherd, will come and get me and pull me out. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. You know, just as David called God my shepherd, so God calls you my sheep. That's the closeness of relationship he has with you if you know him today. How does he show that care? Well, There's three L's in the verses we looked at today. I'm not even making these up this time. There's genuinely three L's that we can enjoy from these verses as to how God shows his shepherding care in our lives. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. Three things The first one requires us to believe. The second one requires us to rest. And the third one requires us to move. To believe, to rest, and to move. When David says, I lack nothing, 
We might imagine he might write such a thing if he was sitting in his kingly palace, surrounded by all his good stuff, surrounded by all his friends and family. But the truth is he wrote it when he probably had none of those things around him. And we might feel like, well, how, how how can he say that? How can he say this thing, I lack nothing, when clearly there are lacks he must be feeling in his life? And there are things in your life and mine that we can feel a lack of. We can feel, perhaps at the moment, a lack of spending money. We can feel a lack of friendship. We can feel a lack of certainty about the future. We can feel a lack of intimacy, perhaps. David, no doubt, felt many of those things. But there was a louder, sweeter song that he was hearing in that moment. This is what I think he meant when when he said, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I lack nothing. I think he means this, that there is nothing lacking about God's shepherding care of his life. There's nothing lacking about God's shepherding care of your life or my life. Everything else might be against us, but David, in this moment, believes and trusts that however this is going to pan out, that God is in full charge of the situation. And that whatever adversity he's facing is going to become a stepping stone into the greater plan of God for his life. The song he hears is saying, no matter what happens, I will never lack the tender and expert care of my shepherd God. He will turn around my circumstance and turn it for good. It's something to be believed. Here's the second thing then. He makes me lie down in green pastures. A former shepherd and Christian writer by the name of Philip Keller, Keller says that, that sheep are timid creatures. They will not lie down until four things happen. Firstly, until they're free from all fear. Secondly, till they're free from friction with the other sheep. Thirdly, until they're free from torments of flies and parasites buzzing around their head. And fourthly, until they're free from hunger. The Lord, our shepherd, cares about his sheep. He cares about all of those things. In the gospel, he meets our need in all of those areas. He frees us from our fear of death and judgment and the future. He satisfies our hunger in the deepest way. He reconciles us to God and to one another. He eases friction in our lives. And he silences the torments and lies of the enemy. The accuser of the brothers and sisters has been hurled down forever. This is what our shepherd does for us in the gospel. And he's doing that in your life right now. And this shepherd doesn't leave us scavenging. He leads us to the green pastures. Often shepherds in those times would climb up hills in a wilderness because they were looking for the green grass because it was a desert kind of land. And they'd spot it and they would take their sheep to where it was good to eat. God does that for us. He brings us to rest. He brings us to the places that are good for us. Charles Spurgeon said, it's safer for a believer to lie down in God's promise than it is to sit up and worry. 
To rest in God's promise is to rest in the grass of his provision for you. The fact that he's done it all through the gospel and that he will always be with you and feed you and help you. And part of that is to bring us into a shepherding family. The church is the shepherding family of God. That's what we want kings to be, a place where we experience the care and the love of God in powerful, exuberant, abundant measures. So there's something to rest in. So there's something to believe. There's something to rest in. And here's the third thing which requires us to move. It says, he leads me beside still waters. If he's leading, I need to follow. Shepherds in those days would walk out in front of their sheep. They didn't round them up with dogs. They would walk out in front and the sheep would trust them and recognize them and follow them. And one of the things apparently about sheep is that they hate fast-moving water. So this kind shepherd, he doesn't take them to the Niagara Falls. He takes them to the still waters. Our God, our shepherd, leads us to the places that are accessible for us and safe for us. I felt maybe that perhaps there's people here today and God's led you here to Kings for a period of stillness and restoration. A place where he can work with you and help you and heal you. And in the Bible, water is often likened to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 7, he says, if anybody is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. And I will become in them a well of water springing up to eternal life. You're being invited by the shepherd to drink of God himself, the Holy Spirit, and to find your thirst to be quenched. I want to encourage you, as we begin this new year together, I want to encourage you to take a few minutes every day. Maybe this isn't your practice. Maybe you already do this, which is wonderful. Those who practice these things regularly realize that discipline is perhaps not a a very apt description because discipline sounds like hard work and sometimes it is but here's the thing when we spend time with our shepherd it's so good for us when we spend time with him he meets with us he brings us to the green pasture when we spend time with him he shows us stuff in his word when we spend time with him he fills us with his holy spirit I want to urge you to maybe take 10 minutes most days of the week and to just sit with Jesus, your good shepherd. I want to encourage you to do something different. Perhaps you've got a little bit bored with your routine. I find that sometimes. Sometimes I need to try a new reading plan or Luke's written a new plan for us this year to help us look at scripture, which just dig into it in fresh ways so that you can find green pasture and be led by Jesus beside these still waters. Pray differently. Read the Bible differently. Form a new pattern of drinking and eating with your good shepherd. We're drawing to an end in a moment, and we're going to sing uh, Psalm 23. Tacone is going to uh, lead us in that in a moment. But I just want to say a couple of things to help us as we, to help us think about this year and how we, Pray and trust God in this season ahead. This is one of the compound names of God in the Old Testament. So uh, 
the Lord, my shepherd. You find there's a number of these in the Old Testament. The first one we come across is uh, Jehovah Jireh, Abraham. Isaac gets spared from sacrifice because God provides a ram. And they call that place the Lord will provide. Isn't that an exciting story? It's a breakthrough story, isn't it? It's breakthrough. Oh, God came at the right moment. I love a breakthrough story. You know, the next one is when Israel is wandering through the desert and they're drinking water from a muddy puddle and they all get sick and people are beginning to die and, and God comes and purifies the water and heals all the people. And they call him Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. It's a breakthrough moment. It's exciting. Everybody here like a breakthrough? Anybody here want a healing? Of course, yeah, breakthrough, provision, healing. You know, another story that happens is uh, they're in a battle that they're losing against the Amalekites, and they've never battled before. And Moses puts his hand in the air to pray, and they start winning the battle. And as soon as they win the battle, because he's praying. And so they call the place, the Lord is my banner, the Lord, victory it means. It's a breakthrough story. Do you love a breakthrough story? There's another time when Gideon, uh, he, he, he's terrified because he's, he's, he's kind of encountered God in a terrifying way, and, and he's all over the place. And God gives him peace. And Gideon builds an altar and he says, I'm going to call it Jehovah Shalom because the Lord is my peace. It was a breakthrough moment. The Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't come out of a fun story. It comes out of a life of experience that David has lived. Here's the danger for us that we can live our life between breakthroughs and fail to realize that God is present with us in the now. So we say, oh gosh, I'm waiting for the next thing. I'm waiting for the provision. I'm waiting for the healing. I'm waiting for the breakthrough. I'm waiting for the peace to come. Don't miss that he's the Lord, your shepherd. And that means he's with you in the present when everything else seems to be not changing very much. He's to be enjoyed as your shepherd and my shepherd. He's with you now, even when nothing changes. When you declare him to be your shepherd, you're saying he's enough for you. A friend of mine uh, took me to hear uh, Beethoven's, I think it was Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. That's right, Simon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, I, I'm not, I don't know loads about classical music, so it's helpful. My friend sort of t- took me through and he, he showed me everything that was going to uh, happen. And, and there, there's, it's basically a, a telling of a day out in the countryside. And in the countryside, all sorts of things happen. And the fourth movement in the piece is, is a storm that comes. And if you could play the, the soundtrack, please. This is it. Isn't that terrifying? It's fierce, it's noisy, it's unpredictable, it's messy, it's discordant. It's all the things of life that pressurize us and think, ah. On the back of that that intense piece of music, you hear the fifth movement, which is called the Song of the Shepherd. 
And it goes like this. Is that nice? <laughs> it's the shepherd walking through the countryside. It's loved for its sweetness after the storm. Psalm 23 is the song of the shepherd. It's the song that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He leads me beside the still waters. And he lies me down in green pastures. Let's take a moment today to respond to our good shepherd. At the start of this brand new year, here's the best news I can give you. That if you know him, he's your shepherd. And it could be today you're saying, well, I don't know if he is my shepherd. And God would probably say about you, well, I don't think you're my sheep. You haven't asked to be in this sheepfold. Today, you can ask. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer, but you can just say to him, Lord, I want to I be in. I want to be in your family. I want to be in your fold. I want to be in this safe place of being cared for by you. Yeah, thanks, Pam. Come and join us. Um, and but for, for, for the rest of us, I want to invite you into a moment of faith. I said, if he leads us beside still waters, then there's movement required. I'd love to invite you to do something really simple. And it's this, that as we start this new year together, we're all going to stand in a moment to sing the song, so this will catch all of us up. But just in this next sort of 30 seconds or so, if you just want to articulate to God what you've just heard and say, you know, Lord, I want to trust you to be my shepherd and declare that you are my shepherd at the start of this new year, that you've got all of my life in your hands. And no matter what 2023 throws at me, I believe that you are going to do me good and that you care for me. And once you've articulated that, I'd just love you to, to move, to stand up. And then once you've had a chance to do that, we'll sing this song together. So feel free to stand as you, as you want to stand and just make that declaration for yourself.